You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. With countless school closures across the country, people are coming together to fight child food insecurity amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Save the Children's Mark Shriver and actress Jennifer Garner joined the Washington Post Live to discuss Hashtag Save with Stories, a celebrity storytelling initiative that is raising funds to help feed and provide educational supplies to children affected by the coronavirus. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for the Washington Post. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Washington Post Live. I'm delighted to be speaking with actress and longtime child advocate Jennifer Garner and Save the Children Action Network President Mark Shriver. Jennifer and Mark, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. With 95% of American schools closed due to COVID-19, vulnerable children across the country are both at risk of falling behind and also going hungry. Jennifer, tell us about your new initiative, Save With Stories. Why give back in this way? Well, I've worked uh, for Save the Children's U.S. programs for the last 12 years, and I've been on the board for the last seven. Um, And... the U.S. programs focus in the poorest rural communities. And traditionally, we work on early childhood education, getting kids up in kindergarten ready and and getting them reading at grade level by third grade, social emotional well-being, all of these kinds of things. Um, But when my friend Amy Adams called me six weeks ago tonight and said, I'm really worried about kids and food and school closures, I I thought, well, yeah, Mark and I had just been to Kentucky the week before, and we had just been talking about the kind of the razor's edge that families and children are walking with food food insecurity, um, uh, just uh, just all kinds of um, upheaval for them without there being a you know any kind of shutdown. And Amy had this great idea: let's have celebrities read and donate. And I called Mark that night late and said, okay, let's dive into this. And the next morning we did. So Mark, Save the Children works in some of the most impoverished areas in the country, both urban and and rural. Can you give us a sense of how coronavirus has made it especially difficult for children in these communities? So again, thanks for having us on, Jonathan. As Jennifer said, SAVE has been working in these communities, really exclusively in rural America. We partnered up with No Kid Hungry on this effort, SAVE with Stories, which is on Instagram that has over 200 books being read by folks. It's great content. Uh, It's fantastic. And it's helped to raise uh, a lot of money that we're now putting back into those communities, feeding kids, getting them educational equipment. Um, In rural America, the issues are distinctly different than they are in urban settings. So the issue of transportation, uh, how do kids get to schools? Uh, There aren't school bus systems. There aren't subways. Um, And so many of the schools in rural America where we work all across the country are on such thin margins uh, that they can't afford to to actually Xerox paper and send home uh, educational work for our kids. So we're actually supplementing what schools are doing making sure that they have fuel to put in the school bus to take the food out into the hollers of West Virginia and Kentucky, all across the Central Valley of California, uh, all across the country. We're also obviously supplying food out there, food that's uh, pre-made and some that's shelf ready so that kids and families actually can have food. So many kids in this country, Jonathan, I think we forget 
rely on breakfast and lunch and a snack uh, five days a week. And uh, those kids don't get those resources in the summer. So this is the longest summer break uh, we're ever gonna see. And kids mm. are hungry, they're starving in this country. And that is distinctly different in rural America. I mean, families are struggling all across the country, but in rural America, it's hard for families that don't have cars to go to the school to pick up that resource. There aren't food banks in, uh, across rural America. So it's a huge issue in rural America. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, go ahead, Jennifer. Yes. No, go ahead. I was just thinking about um, one of my early visits years and years ago. Uh, it was a Monday morning, super early, and the bus arrived and the kids came running in with just flying through the halls. And I, I said to um, one of the Save the Children staff, wow, they really love school. And she said, well, they might like school, but they're about to get the first meal that they've had since our after-school program on Friday. And that's what they're running toward. And that is something that we have to remember is true for 30 million kids depend on school for food in this country. Yeah, that actually dovetails nicely with what I was actually about to ask you. You were recently on the road reaching out to distressed communities right before the, the pandemic hit us. And I was gonna ask you if you could give us a sense of what the kids were already contending with. We've talked about food insecurity, limited educational resources. Uh, knowing all of this, what keeps you up at night? The stressors on children in America are just astounding and on, and, and on kids all over the world. I mean, for example, Save the Children has something called um, what is it called? Journey of Hope, which is a program that teaches kids social emotional, um, teaches, gives, gives teachers um, a social emotional curriculum to help kids talk about what they're going through and process trauma so that it doesn't just fester inside of them to help them grow through it. They use it for things like floods or a school shooting. That's what it was intended for. But it turns out that the crush of poverty is so traumatic for children that we are now having teachers and teaching it in communities all across the country because kids have to find a way to talk about living in foster homes because their parents are suffering from an opioid addiction um, or they're incarcerated. Um, living in, um, in friends' homes, kids show up to school wearing a bathing suit and their uncle's shoes because they had to get themselves to the school bus and that's what they could find, but they knew they needed to get there for food. This is the kind of thing that I see just in my little visits. So imagine all over the country, this multiplied over and over and over again. Kids are really going through it and they're going through it where they have no voice, where no one is paying attention to them. They're out in the middle of nowhere, but it's a big country. There's a lot of middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So we have for them and make sure that the way out for them is education, but you can't educate them if they're hungry. So and the best thing we have is having boots on the ground and having the being nimble and having people and resources who are ready to go and get kids food while they're helping keep them educated. And Mark, you can educate, educate children if they're hungry, but also you can educate them if they don't have access to the internet and the crisis the COVID crisis has amplified the problem of the di digital divide in this country. We've heard reports yep. of kids camping out in school parking lots just to get internet service to do their homework. How has this inequality affected your work? I mean, you, you, you're 100% right, John, and, and uh, you see it day in and day out. I mean, I mentioned a couple minutes ago 
uh, that for a lot of our kids, they don't have access to the internet. Uh, but the schools are on such thin margins. As a country, we don't invest in our public education to such a degree that the schools can't afford to Xerox uh, work study that gets sent home with the kids. I mean, that is amazing in America that they, we don't have the resources to send old-fashioned, you know, 20th century uh, products home into the home, not 21st century. You know, our kids, my kids are on the internet, they have great access, their teachers are teaching them, uh, the systems were set up well in advance. I mean, you know, kids that are in poverty in this country, especially in rural poverty, where the um, utilization rates are a third less than they are for kids in urban centers, we're in the 20th century if we're lucky. Um, and Jennifer, mm -hmm. statistics better than anybody, Jonathan, you know, 90% uh, of brain growth happens in the first five years of life. So a lot of our kids are not in a situation where they're getting that uh, stimulation at home and they're definitely not getting it in childcare centers because the parents can't afford it. Um, and they're entering kindergarten, not ready to learn. They're not functioning at a third grade level by the end of third grade. And these are things that as a country, we've you know brushed under the rug for too long. Um, and this mm -hmm. pandemic has raised the visibility of those issues. Uh, I just hope that, I just hope to God we don't, you know, when we get out of this, just go back to the way it was because there are gross inequities in this country and we need to address them. Jennifer, I see you nodding, nodding your head. Did you want to jump in and add to what Mark was saying? I'll let that one sit, but I'll, I'll interrupt him later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, you know, I wanted... <laughs> well, Mark, this is a question for you from Leanne Taylor here in Washington, D.C., uh, she asked, many communities, predominantly communities of color, have been impacted more significantly than others. Are there plans being developed specifically for these communities to address food scarcity and the impact of COVID-19? I think the answer to that is, thanks for the question, is that uh, we're, you know, working in all communities. So there are pockets of uh, uh, African-Americans, Hispanic kids that we're dealing with. Uh, all across this country. And we are, you know, no holds barred trying to get those resources out there. Um, I think, you know, we have a lack of leadership on the federal, uh, in many cases, state uh, basis to address this issue. Um, we didn't do uh, planning well, to be honest with you, as a country. Um, and I think the private sector, churches, nonprofits like Save the Children are so um, desperate to work in partnership with other organizations, with other people. I think you see the best of America. You know, this Save With Stories uh, thing that Jennifer and Amy Adams created that's on Instagram, we've had over 30,000 people make contributions. Some, most of them are $10. Um, this country, you know, is the gen most generous country in the world. Uh, and people want to be part of a community. They want to be involved. Um, the government, unfortunately, is it hasn't set up a system to do that and to do it effectively to answer her question. Uh, so nonprofits like Save the Children are stepping in in partnership with No Kid Hungry and other organizations uh, to really address both uh, filling their bellies and filling their brains, uh, because the government, unfortunately, hasn't done a good job. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this to both of you, but ask Jennifer that you you begin the answering of the question, because you're on the board of Save the Children. Mark, you have been a leader at Save the Children for a long time. And I'm wondering if you could tell folks who are watching how the coronavirus pandemic 
exacerbates the problems and issues you've been working on for years. Well, I mean, I think it's, well, go ahead, Jennifer. I mean, kids, kids, I mean, across the globe, um, you, kids are already so up against it when you think about refugee camps. I mean, we're, we have a board call in, in a little bit and we're focusing on Syria. We're focusing on slums in India. We're focusing on African communities. We're focusing on, um, you know, places where people are smushed together and they don't have access to help and they are they're really up against it and obviously this um give, puts them in total crisis luckily we have a lot of experience we were there for the ebola um crisis we we have a path through we have a path forward we know how to be helpful and how to keep our staff safe so that's something that we are focusing on and we're focusing on it here in america as well but if you have a child who is maybe being watched very carefully by their teachers at school to see if abuse is happening at home and suddenly they're not in school and their parents are that much more stressed it is very nervous making. So our Save the Children staff in America who are going out into these rural communities and giving love to the kids and passing out food and passing out books and they have their eyes on these kids and they are telling me that they're making calls to the authorities to go and check on children that they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's we, we have to be a community for each other but if you're growing up where you don't have a community, where school is your only community, your only source of food, but also your only source of love, attention, community, learning, we have to find a way to fill that gap. And that's what we know we do so well. Mark? I mean, I think, I think Jen said it beautifully. I think, you know, you, you see these issues of food insecurity, which, you know, I think to a lot of Americans, I, you know, it's it's unclear what that means. But when she tells that story of a little kid coming off the school bus on Monday morning, wind sprinting into school, it's to get food. And that's in the richest country in the world. Actually, in the history of the world, that we have kids that aren't getting enough to eat at home over the weekends. They're not getting enough uh, in the summertime. And I think that has brought that issue front and center, not only at Save the Children, um, but across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you hear about children uh, that are so far behind by kindergarten that they're not going to compete against, you know, Jennifer's kids or my kids or kids that don't live in poverty in this country. I mean, come on. I mean, it, you know, these are really serious issues. And people, you know, say, well, the public schools are failing. But the bottom line is we don't invest early. Uh, we don't invest in those critical first five years of life. Look at what's happening, Jonathan, on the child care issue in this country. I was just about to ask you about that, Mark. I mean, it's, it's important that, you know, we have support for airlines and uh, hotels and small businesses. But what about child care? I mean, 60% of kids under the age of five in this country, 60% of the kids under the age of five in America are in some form of child care. And there's no support coming out of the federal government for child care. Um, I mean, this is the backbone for American, in, uh, American workers. I mean, you can't go to work if you can't put your kid in child care. And those... Those child cares are working on such well, thin margins already that they're not going to survive. And the federal government doesn't show that. Save the Children Action Network, which I am the president of, uh, working with Child Care um, Aware, uh, uh, came out with a, a poll just yesterday saying that 90 percent, almost 90 percent of Americans believe that the federal government should be investing in child care. And we're not. So that's a huge issue. 
Well, I was just about to ask you, Mark, you anticipated the question about that poll. Um, yeah. Is there, I think there was another data point. What was that data point you just talked about? It's almost 90% of voters right. in this country. Okay, they're Republicans, independents, Democrats, uh, believe that the federal government should support and prop up and, and support childcare. And we're not getting that. And I think it goes back to this issue, Jonathan, and I'm getting a little fired up here, where- Go you know, right ahead. Where poor kids, especially, you know, poor kids in rural America, they don't vote, their parents don't tend to vote, they don't have, they don't make political contributions. They're really forgotten and overlooked in this country. Um, and we've got to say, look, uh, these kids need investments in childcare workers that are working on very, as I said, the the companies are working on thin margins. The staff are underpaid. They're not trained enough. Uh, this is something that some politicians have been talking about, but most are not. Again, because they don't, they don't have that voice at the table. They don't have a seat at the table, Jonathan. And that's why it's important for people to get engaged, to go to Save the Children Action Network, to sign up, to demand that their political leaders get involved. And Do that so was going to be the question I was going to ask you, given that it seems like every time they pass a new stimulus bill, they're already working on the next one. Is Save the Children Act Action Network already engaged with, with Capitol Hill to try to get child care money uh, yeah. in the next stimulus package. Yes, and Jennifer's, you know, has seen, has seen, has gone door to door, literally in state capitals, advocating for resources for Save the Children. So there is power in raising your voice. And Save the Children, 350,000 people, uh, you know, on our, on our, in our small little army that are sending emails, making phone calls, writing letters to the editor, um, that are trying to be engaged, that are being engaged and putting pressure on elected officials on the state capitals as well as in Capitol Hill. But again, poor kids and families don't make those big contributions. They don't vote in huge numbers, unfortunately. They don't have that seat at the table. That's why everyone who's listening to this can go to Save the Children uh, Action Network.org, get involved, get their voice involved, get others involved. It's that old Margaret Mead line, right? You know, never doubt the power of a few committed people to change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. I mean, I, I butchered the quote a little bit, but <laughs> a, few people, a few people can make a big difference, right, Jen? Right. But Mark and Jonathan, the, the thing that I like to remember is that there is so much good possible and yeah. there's so much good happening. When I when I talked to, um, I did a big Zoom call with all of the, the um, home coordinators for SAVE, just thanking them and hearing their stories and, and catching up with them and what, what they're up against out there personally. And they are seeing kids who are so hungry to learn. They run to the bus with their wagon for their food and they say, did you bring me any books? And I mm. think my mom would have been one of those kids my mom was so smart, such a bright, beautiful, lovely little girl who had no resources, grew up in poverty, total poverty in Oklahoma, and somehow people helped her out along the way enough that she got educated. And because she was educated, she met my dad. And because uh, my dad went through something similar, but because the two of them managed to get themselves educated, my sisters and I had the world. This is something that can be replicated, but we have got to pay attention. And that is something that I know this organization does, which is why I've spent the last 12 years working for them, and which is why I said to Amy Adams, yes, we will do this. And I've spent the last six weeks begging every friend under the sun, <laughs> please, please read for us. Although now people have so much fun. I mean, Kate Winslet had so much fun 
reading Green Eggs and Ham for Stable Stories, which is totally Oscar-worthy, and you have to go on just to see it. <laughs> she said, can you give me a list of six more books? And I love kids' books so much that I said, ah, yep, I gotcha. And so we've gone to the, you know, and gotten the rights for all these books, and she's going to read them all. We're going to have a Kate Winslet mm -hmm. day. Jennifer, is there anyone who you would love to read stories on Save With Stories who you haven't been able to get? This is your opportunity to put it out there in the world. Um, gosh, I mean, Oprah, uh, President Obama, um, Mrs. Obama. Um, oh my, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think Meryl Streep would be amazing. Um, I think Tom Hanks would be stellar. I might have his email address. I might have to bug Tom. Um, let's see, who else? I have a big list, yes. Um, and let me ask the, his, his, yeah, yeah, Mark. Jump in there and say, sure. and I, Jen and I have talked about this. There's so many people um, that are not winning Oscars that are uh, reading their own books. And it's up on that uh, Instagram site. Uh, thousands of people, right, Jennifer, are reading their own books. They've taken their own initiative to provide uh, that content out there. And again, I think, you know, when Jen mentions how great, uh, how much goodness there is out there, I think this, in the Instagram site, Save With Stories, is showing not only the, the generosity of so many people in California and across the country and around the world, really, mm -hmm. but it's also bringing in other people who are not, um, you know, who are normal, if you will. And <laughs> doing, Just regular old folks, yeah, right, Mark? Doing great stuff. And right. They want to be part of it. They want to be part of a community. I think that's beautiful. Like really. here's, here's a question from Kelly McMahon from Maryland. Uh, Jennifer, I'll throw it out to you. Um, what is the best way we can help in our community? The best way you can help in your community? Um, gosh, if you live in rural America, reach out to the local schools and see if they need volunteers to help cook, you know, wearing a mask and doing everything um, as safely as possible. Um, or cook and, and deliver to your fire department, but you can also um, text the word SAVE to 20222 for a one-time $10 donation. It was really important to Amy and me that, um, that the donation amount for the text was something that people could achieve and feel like they could participate easily and just go on and enjoy the books. I mean, moms and families and dads are having a blast watching their favorite, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, watching their favorite um, actors and athletes and singers. Carly Rae Jepsen went up yesterday, just celebrities and, and fun people um, reading. Mark? I think, you know, Jen mentioned the, that text number, that 20222, texting save there. I think, you know, if folks want to get involved systemically, they can go to Save the Children Action Network and sign up as a volunteer. I think those emails and those phone calls and uh, putting, you know, pressure, frankly, on our elected leaders uh, to prioritize children is really important. Um, so I think, the, the, you know, those are multiple ways uh, of getting involved out there. Mark, you and I have um, known each other for a long time, and we met because and it was, I think, right after, in the years after Hurricane Katrina and New Orleans rebuilding and all the natural disasters happening around the country, 
and your mantra has always been children don't have don't have an advocate they don't give money they don't have politicians who take their issues seriously or prioritize them yeah. what are you confident that this go round with this disaster that elected officials will hear will heed your call and do something to help the plight of children I uh, I hope so. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, you got to get in the arena. I mean, it's, you know, that Teddy Roosevelt line about the credit belongs to the person who gets in the arena, who gets bloodied and, you know, kicked dust on them and gets engaged. And I think we just got to stay in that arena, Jonathan. I think, uh, you know, I think there is a lot of positive energy, but um, we we can't let up. I mean, you know, so many politicians talk about kids are our most important priority, and then the money doesn't follow the rhetoric. Um, and I think that's why, you know, working for a great organization like Save the Children, delivering high-quality programs that are results-focused, that are getting a good ROI for the public, um, for the taxpayer, is important. And then we ought to use that as a means to try to change the system. And that's what the advocacy Save the Children Action Network is. That's what Jennifer is doing. That's, you know... That's what we're trying right now is we hope the elected leaders and their staff in Washington, D.C. and in state governments are looking at this video and saying, you know what, we need to invest in kids. We need to invest in child care. Why isn't child care a priority? You know, it's Jennifer, for this country. Jennifer, when you're making your rounds uh, here in Washington or in state capitals across the country or even around the world, um, do you feel like you're being heard by those elected officials with whom you're meeting? In the moment, I do. I mean, when I'm taking pictures with them, I do. <laughs> no, um, yes, I do. Actually, I am. I am consistently impressed by and buoyed by um, the depth of knowledge and the heart that I see in Washington D.C. on both sides of the aisle. Um, and I do feel like we have relationships that go back, you know, years now, Mark, and certainly Mark, but. Um, that I've been along for the ride. And I can see that there is a difference. There is a build of momentum. And I, I have to believe that we are getting somewhere. Certainly when we work state by state and push for our funding and we can see it increase because the numbers are so good. The numbers really do tell the story for us. And so it's easier in that way, but we've got to have help from the federal government as well. It has to be a, just a national initiative that kids have got to come first. One of the things I love about SAVE is that globally, we go where no one else wants to go. So we are in Afghanistan. We are in Congo in the middle of Ebola crisis when that happens. We are catching refugees as they leave Syria. We are we are in those places. And in the United States, we're in those places as well. We are where no one else wants to go. And so you might not see us. We might be behind, you know, we might be way back in the in the corner, just quietly doing our job. But without organizations like this, what's going to happen to the, the world's children? Jonathan, Mark, I'm gonna, go yeah, ahead, Mark. If I could just say, I think uh, Jennifer is 100% right. There's broad bipartisan support, um, you know, in, the, in Washington, D.C., Senator Blunt, Senator Cole, you know, strong leaders on the Republican side, Rosa DeLora from uh, Connecticut, Patty Murray uh, from Washington State. You know, there's there's good bipartisan support. It just needs more energy and it needs to not be the 10th or 15th issue on a priority list. It needs to be, 
in my humble opinion, you know, the first. Um, and that needs means that all of the elected officials, you know, our strongest supporter in Kentucky is the state senator down there is the president senator of Republican Robert Stivers is great. He's been a strong supporter for, you know, 14, 15, 16 years. Very conservative Republican, but he's seen the ROI um, uh, and seeing kids doing well in kindergarten and succeeding in his schools in southeastern Kentucky. He brought, you know, Hal Rogers down there to see that. We just need to broaden that support um, and get more folks involved. Sorry, I cut you off, Jonathan. No, no, no. I, I, I was listening to you. I, the final question I'm going to ask you, Mark, real fast, yes or no question, because we are basically out of time. If you got a call from the White House to meet with anyone in the administration to uh, do something about the priorities we've just been talking about here, would you take the meeting? Absolutely. Jennifer. Absolutely. We'll I mean, absolutely. We work. We'll put a mask on. It'll be cute. Yeah, we, put, we work all across the country with Republicans and Democrats, governors, Republican governors, state senators, uh, House of Delegates. It doesn't matter. Yes. We're agnostic. and Absolutely. Completely bipartisan. And Save the Children Action Network is bipartisan. So let's and, go. Love it. Thank yeah. you for asking the question. <laughs> and, and, and with that, unfortunately, as I said, we are out of time. That's all the time that we have. Thank you so much for... For joining me, Jennifer Garner, Mark Shriver. You can find Save With Stories readers on Instagram and Facebook, including everyone from Jimmy Fallon and Natalie Portman to Cindy McCain and Senator Kamala Harris and all the folks Jennifer mentioned before. And I want to tell our listeners to head to WashingtonPostLive.com where you can register for upcoming events, including next week's discussion with British Ambassador Dame Karen Pierce and German Ambassador Emily Haber. Another big thank you to Jennifer Garner and Mark Schreiber for being here. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.